Welcome to the Engineering Influence Podcast presented by the American Council of Engineering Companies. Today we have a special program for you. On February 17th at 12 p.m. Eastern Time, ACEC and FIDIC North America will launch the first session in a new webinar series exploring integrity in the Americas. The session will highlight Millennium Challenge Account Liberia, which was established by the government of Liberia to partner with MCC in a $257 million program of road and power investments in Liberia between 2016 and 2021. MCA Liberia successfully implemented the program, including developing and executing an anti-fraud and corruption action plan and other protocols to support the program's integrity. Richard Stump of RS&H Inc., who is the chair of the FIDIC Integrity Management Committee, will host today's podcast having a discussion with three panelists from the upcoming program. Christopher Williams, who is Senior Director for Anti-Fraud and Corruption at the Millennium Challenge Corporation. Shaka Dennis, former Deputy Chief Executive Officer at Millennium Challenge Account Liberia. And James Pierre, former General Counsel of Millennium Challenge Account Liberia. For more information about the webinar and to register, there will be a link in the show notes. So now I'll turn the mic over to Rich. All right, Chris, I'm gonna, I have a question for you. What, in, in your role as the, the head of transparency and integrity for MCC, what do you see as the most important actions MCC takes to set up the Millennium Challenge account agencies for success? Hi, I'm uh, Chris Williams, Senior Director for Anti-Fraud and Corruption at the Millennium Challenge Corporation. Uh, the most important thing that, uh, or one of the most important things that MCC does to set up our partner organizations for success is making sure that there are very clear um, uh, rules and requirements for uh, the operations of the organization and making sure that the uh, hiring of people for the organization is done in a transparent and competitive manner. Uh, one, of the, one of the cliches in Washington is that personnel is policy. If you don't have good personnel in the agency, it is really going to have problems in uh, implementation. Chris, thank you. So this is this is Rich Stump, you know, with uh, the FIDIC Integrity Management Committee, and based here in the United States. Jimmy, I have a question for you. With regard to Chris's statement about personnel as policy, who within the MCA would you say was an exemplar of integrity, and? In was instrumental in the success of the, your anti-fraud and corruption program? Um, I would say um, the CEO, um, our CEO, Morning Captain, and which is important that it was him because if, if people see that your CEO is um, carrying himself a sort of way, he can lead by example. Not, it's not just words, but his action speaks, speaks just as loud or even louder. So I would say the CEO set an example because he, there are uh, in a place like, like, like Liberia and being that he was in charge of so many projects, 
people could come to him for influence or did come to him for influence um, to influence certain things to go against our, our anti-fraud corruption plan or MCC or and MC Liberia's policies, but he did not. And um, so I would say uh, specifically, I'll point to the CEO for setting a good example. Can you share a story with us regarding a, a difficult corruption or integrity challenge that you experienced and, and how it was successfully resolved? Um, yeah, uh, one I can say point to was a situation where uh, during the procurement of the contractor for our um, the pipeline, which one of our major projects, uh, a certain um, uh, party who lost the procurement tried attempted to try to sway the uh, result by going through certain members in the government to try to influence uh, MC Liberia. Uh, but due to the fact that our uh, anti-fraud anti and corruption action plan required us to indoctrinate our board and they were so they were fully aware of our um, policies. So it just hit a stone wall when those people uh, try to go to certain um, members in the government. Um, and, and let me just say our board comprised of these very people that are going that these um, they're losing. Um, um, party uh, was going to. So I would think that was an example of where uh, it was very successful, that where the implementation of our anti-fraud corruption plan thwarted and attempted uh, 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 corrupt uh, activity. Great, Jimmy, thank you. Chris, what would you say are some of the the, the greatest lessons learned from the success of the Liberia Compact that can be taken forward by MCC with upcoming compact uh, recipients? Well, um, it is very important for MCC and uh, any MCA to uh, carry out a uh, intentional anti-fraud and corruption strategy. Um, we, MCC has a formal anti-fraud and corruption policy that applies to all recipients of funds and is available on our website. And uh, the policy requires MCC to work with our partners like MCA Liberia to do a risk assessment of the specific risks of fraud and corruption uh, for the entire program uh, to assess and prioritize those risks and then to create an action plan to follow, to try to mitigate uh, those risks. And that sort of intentional um, effort that is jointly carried out by the, by the owner or the donor organization and the implementing in, uh, institution, I think is critical because without going through that process, uh, frankly, the team's just not going to be aware or have top of mind of what the most serious risks Chris, thank you very much. Shaka, turning back to you, I'm, I'm going to ask you a similar question to what I asked Jimmy with regard to an integrity or corruption challenge that you experienced during the execution of the compact. Can you tell us a little about something very challenging that happened to you and how it was successfully resolved? Well, thanks, Rich. Uh, I think that um, there were a few challenges that we had 
involving attempts by bidders to circumvent the, the process. Um, there were instances where the projects were as small as uh, hiring an individual consultant uh, to an $18 million uh, design build FIDIC uh, yellow book contract for a new water pipeline. In one instance, uh, actually two instances on that project, we had challenges from the supervision um, procurement where uh, there was a firm who tried to, I would, I would say strong arm us into, or shame us into uh, publicly shame the MCA and the staff of the MCA uh, that we were not transparent by going to newspapers. And uh, although we had, you know, MCA and MCC publishes the procurement, they publish the, the results. I mean, the, the results are all published on, on who was selected. Um, but instead of the supervision uh, uh, consultant or the bidder coming into, let's say the MT MCA and requesting uh, let's say a meeting to find out, you know, why they were not uh, selected. Uh, they went above and beyond in terms of trying to shame people publicly. But it, 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 the wall held. When I say the wall held, because uh, the members of our anti-fraud and corruption team involved government officials who they tried to go to to plead their case, and it went nowhere. Uh, on the works contract for the pipeline. Similar thing. That's an $18 million job. So naturally, there's uh, a lot of upset people. And one of the things that we did, uh, the CEO and I, we used independent, uh, an independent consultant as the technical evaluation panel. So they flew them in from various countries and they evaluated the proposal. They gave the results and the recommendations to MCC and MCA on who should be awarded the project and for which reasons. And those were vetted by everyone. So the wall held. Um, there was nothing they could do and it, it just fell off. And one thing I'd like to say about the anti-fraud and corruption uh, procedures and policies of MCC is they have the backing all the way up at the local level, at the country level, all the way up to the US ambassador who would back up MCC. So it's not just the uh, local team, MCA, local government, and the, uh, the US uh, representatives, the country directors, but it's also the US embassy is also standing behind uh, the MCC team and the MCA team. Excellent, Shaka, thank you. So, Jimmy, I'm gonna turn the next question to you. Looking back over your five years as general counsel for the Millennium Challenge account in Liberia, what did you find as the most professionally rewarding aspect of being a leader in the MCA? Um, the most professionally rewarding aspect of um, being part of the MCA Liberia team is, I would, I mean, honestly, it's just um, the, the skills that you acquire over the period of time, because due to the nature of uh, MC, uh, of, of an MCA, you're, as a general counsel, you're involved in so many aspects of the entity when it comes to 
HR, procurement, um, uh, even finance. So for me personally, uh, I got I I personally didn't have that much experience from the procurement aspect of it, and I I learned I learned so much. I've learned I learned so much over the five year period in terms of of the details, the different types of procurement, the different procurement rules, and how it goes about how that went about the uh, the appeals process, um, all that. So I would say that that was uh, one of the rewarding aspects. Just like how it's not just for me, also just talking to other members in the team because um, have getting um, uh, learning the uh, the different aspects of the projects of when you have to learn about the energy sector or the road sector. I just I think it's just it's a uh, you get to enhance your skills and you come out a better and uh, come out a better person uh, um, uh, better professional after you leave an MCA. I have a, had a counterpart um, in the MCC's office of general counsel and they always joke that, uh, every lawyer that across MCC, you leave and you leave a compact a much better lawyer than when you enter. And I can completely, I, I that is 100% the case. In, when I 100% agree to that. Fantastic, Jimmy. Thank you, Shaka. This, I have the same question for you. What did you find as the most professionally rewarding outcome of your five-year involvement as the deputy CEO of the MCA Liberia? Well, Rich, I, I I'll tell you, um, you know, after 30 plus years working in the U.S. and working for a U.S. company and around the world, um, coming to Liberia and heading uh, major projects here, uh, one of the most, uh, I think the most rewarding thing was uh, completing some of the big projects where I know that from the beginning, some of our counterparts in MCC had serious doubts that we were going to finish and we were going to complete these projects. Uh, working with the staff that we have in Liberia, you know, many of them who have not worked with uh, Americans before using American standards, American way of thinking. So it was a little difficult for some, some people to understand when, 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 um, when a schedule says that we need it on a certain date, it means we need it yesterday, not not day after tomorrow or you know next month. Um, the most rewarding thing in my experience in my career has been this particular project I worked on, which is the design build of this uh, five-kilometer design build Yellow Book pipeline, forty-eight-inch um, pipeline, and I would say that because we had a great team. We had a great contractor that was selected through a good procurement process that knew what they were doing. We had a great supervision consultant. Um, we also had good support from MCC and mutual respect because uh, I will tell you it was, uh, and I can I can say this freely, the, freely also, the guys on the MCC side, they were backed by the Corps of Engineers. And I know when the first time we sat down and had meetings and they realized that we had people sitting on both sides of the table that had a lot of experience and knew what they were doing. There was such a calm and relief that we are going to make it. In addition to that, to be able to do a project like we completed last year during COVID, a design build, ordering parts from China, from Asia, from all over the world, to come in, 
and we had a team that sat down and we decided that nobody is taking vacation. We can't afford to leave the country, come back. We're all gonna stay and we'll take a vacation when this is over. We're gonna build this project through the rainy season, through the mud, through all the problems that we had dealing with COVID, going out, coming in, no one got sick, no one died. So I would say for me personally, my career, that was a great accomplishment because we had a great team and great support on both sides. MCC had reachback support from the Corps of Engineers. We needed structural work. We needed geotechnical input because MCC has a small team. MCA has a small team. We don't have many engineers in our group. So for them to have reachback support, for us to have great supervision help and a great contractor, that to me was the highlight of my career and my MCA experience. Chaka, that's a great story. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Chris, turning to you, you know, as, as someone sitting in the mothership organization, what are you most professionally proud of regarding the accomplishments of the Millennium Challenge account Liberia? I'd say that, especially uh, hearing uh, um, Jimmy and Shaka talking, I think the thing we're most I'm most proud about is the uh, um, collaboration and teamwork between the multidisciplinary MCC team that was working with MCA Liberia and the MCA Liberia team. Without that collaboration, without that level of respect and trust, um, it, the program's just not going to work well. Uh, so um, I think it's also uh, the other thing that I'm particularly proud of is the level of support that the relatively small multidisciplinary MCC team provided to MCA Liberia. Um, prior to the pandemic, there were often uh, trips to uh, Liberia uh, by MCC staff and by consultants that were working directly for MCC. And they could sit face-to-face -face with their colleagues and with the uh, MCA contractors, the contractors that were working directly for MCA and do site visits. Uh, as a funding organization, I think being able to physically visit with your, uh, with your colleagues, your counterparts, and physically visit the, uh, um, the construction sites and see what is actually going on is very important. During the pandemic, of course, you know, uh, other approaches were adopted, like you know, lots of photographs, videos. Um, some of our countries use drones. Um, and use of local subcontractors. But I really don't think that there's anything that can substitute for physical face-to-face -face, uh, um, boots on the ground uh, presence by the owner or a funding organization. Great, Chris, thank you very much for, uh, for those thoughts. One thing I'd like to turn to now is, is back to the anti-fraud and corruption program that was put in place by MCA Liberia. Jimmy, what would you say was the most valuable skill or outcome that you received as a lawyer being involved in the creation and execution of that anti-fraud and corruption program? Um, one of the most uh, skills that I've, I've learned and I've actually been, had, I've had a chance to implement this since um, the comeback ended is being uh, more aware and more up to date with regard to 
conflict of interest policies, um, confidentiality policies, uh, because um, prior to the compact, these are just things you learn in school, but you don't know you learn, but you, as a, as in, through my legal practice prior to this, you didn't have that much opportunities to implement. But uh, as a result of the anti-fraud and corruption plan um, and being involved in uh, all the uh, disclosures for, um, to, for under our conflict of interest policy, which, is, which forms a part of the anti-fraud and corruption, um, anti-fraud and corruption plan, um, that has allowed me to become more aware and more in tune dealing with those issues, which I've had to deal with uh, subsequent to the compact in terms of dealing with entities and, and boards or in, there was an instance where uh, a board member wanted his company to sign a contract with uh, uh, the entity on, uh, from the, uh, which he was a member of the board. And I had to interject and explain how it was in this and talk about disclosures and mitigating uh, mitigating um, risks and uh, stuff, stuff like that. So I would say just the uh, the opportunities that I, that I learned from the anti-fraud anti and corruption plan, specifically the conflict of interest policies and implementing that on an, over, on an almost daily basis over five years and taking that forward with me um, has been very helpful. Great, Jimmy, thank you for that. Uh that really insightful answer. So Shaka, the same question to you, what did you find the most professionally valuable outcome with regard to your involvement in the creation and execution of the anti-fraud and corruption program? Well, I mean, Rich, to be honest with you, I, uh, I really enjoyed watching the lawyers work. I mean, you know, Jimmy and Chris, I mean, uh, 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 the same in my, my professional career before, I mean, uh, as a consulting engineer, the legal aspects and uh, they're there to keep everyone out of trouble, to keep everyone uh, aware of what the policies and procedures are. And so they're really, for me, they're always uh, kind of uh, on my right, the right-hand person that I, that I that I have and I count on I lean on the most uh, to make sure we're always following uh, proper uh, have proper guidance you know uh, in procurement and especially uh, that's one of the main things you know the, I mean procurement is is for anti fraud and corruption uh, procurement is one of the weak the weak areas where you always have to shore shore it up uh, and procurement uh, specialists alone uh, can't do it so. For me, is just watching the legal guys and having them to support us. You know, I learned a lot between the legal guys and um, you know, and also procurement, but more more the legal because they really guided the whole process uh, and kept us out of trouble. Uh, so yeah, it was an enjoyable experience. I did learn a lot. Wonderful, Shaka. Thank you very much for that answer. So before we ad adjourn, I I just want to thank. All three of you, Chris, Shaka, and Jimmy, for you know for your time in, in this preliminary discussion, as we get ready to have a really in-depth global conversation with uh, with our webinar participants on on Thursday, February seventeenth at twelve o'clock Eastern, and this will be again the first inaugural webinar within the FIDIC North America series on. Um, 
integrity in the Americas. So it's, it's going to be a fantastic discussion. You've all three of you have a lot of important information to bring to the table. And we're going to be setting a very, very high bar for uh, our, our compatriots in Canada and Mexico to follow. So with that, thanks again for your time. And uh, we are looking forward to speaking with all three of you again, as well as with whomever joins us on the 17th of February. Mm -hmm.